Okay, so this morning we're going to talk about the power of the tongue, speech detox. <laughs> That's what I'm calling it. Anyway, the pillars that we've been going through today, we want to hone in on how we use our tongue and the wisdom that um, the book of Proverbs has got for us on the basis of that. I'm going to basically put all the readings that I've got concerning the tongue and speaking too quickly or not speaking too much or speaking wisely, um, how you're able to persuade all of those passages across the book of Proverbs um, into two. And then I'm going to basically try and deal with it. First one is this whole idea that the power of life and death is in the tongue, i.e. how life can come out of from what you say and how you can preserve calamities, you can preserve destruction by the, the way you use your tongue. So that all of that session, I suppose you could have one passage where it says, the tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruits. That's Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. And then chapter 10, verse 11, it says that the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. Another passage calls it the tree of life. So all of that idea of life and death coming from the power of the tongue is one thing. The second thing I wanted to look at is this, where, um, is this idea of where that comes from, how the mouth is related to the heart. Um, in fact, in one of the passages, let me see, in chapter, 20, chapter 16, verse 23, it says, the heart of the wise make their mouth prudent. It is the heart that makes the mouth prudent. Jesus obviously puts it this way in the New Testament. He says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. New Testament agreeing with the Old Testament scripture, saying that the wisdom here is watch carefully what's going on in your heart because that is what is going to come out of your mouth. So that's the second thing. And then finally, I'm going to end with a a proverb that I, I thought was really interesting where it says that the gentle tongue is able to break, in fact, it's able to break bones. In fact, let me give you the, the reference to it. I just put the phone away, getting carried away to get into the preach. It says here in chapter, in chapter 25, verse 15, it says, Through patience, a ruler can be persuaded and the gentle tongue can break bone. Now, every time we've, we've, we've talked about, you know, the, the mouth is able to break bones, is, a, is, is the dangerous thing, it's always been in that negative form, i.e. you can really hurt me, you can really crush somebody. But here is obviously using it in a positive form where it says, with patience, you can persuade a ruler, you can change the course of a nation with patience in terms of what you say, because actually the gentle tongue is powerful, able to break a bone, able to break the hardened heart of one who is unrepentant. That's interesting stuff. Okay, so number one, the power of the tongue, bringing life and death. Number two, where it comes from, i.e. if you want to fix your speech, you have to go down to your heart to, to make the real changes. When I was thinking about this, the imagery that came to my mind was, if you want to stop the smoke coming out of the chimney, don't just fan the, the smoke, you have to go down the chimney to put out the fire. Okay, and then finally, we're going to talk about how the power of a gentle speech is able to break bone. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. 
that we can look into your word and we thank you for the passages that you've made available to us. Lord, I ask, we all ask right now as we hear your word together that you will speak to us. Um, tell us what we need to hear and cause us to hear your voice because it is in the hearing of your voice that we are formed, that we are fixed, we are washed and cleansed, that we receive life and encouragement where we grow tall because we hear our Father speak. And I ask you, Lord, as I, as I bring this preparation to your people, that actually you will speak through me and that they will hear you speaking. Come and build us up for your glory's sake, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Life and death in the power of the tongue. It basically, as far as I know, is talking about this whole broad spectrum of the way you position yourself in terms of what you say can be an overflow of a life-giving source. In fact, the scriptures call it a fountain of life. In other words, you what comes out of you is always feeding people, is building people. You are able to cause people who would otherwise be hurt, damaged, and dead come to life because life flows from you. It's talking about where somebody is um, feeling like they want to give up. I mean, this whole thing is not just a spiritual aspect, obviously, we will come to that. But even in the natural, the wisdom is, is wisdom for life, how life works. Even away from scriptures, how life works is this. Um, there are people, a friend of mine, Bob, who's part of the Samaritan um, charity, where they literally talk people out from, from, from the brink of death. People who are in the moment wanting to take their life, change their minds over the telephone. They've done nothing. They've not given them anything. They've not subscribed them to anything. They have not done physically anything to them. But just by speaking to them over the phone, they're able to move their whole thinking of depressed life. Everything is dead in me to suddenly thinking, no, I can live and literally not kill themselves, but live. The power of life and death is in the tongue. So all of these things we're talking about in terms of people who speak life can inspire and encourage and build people. But obviously the opposite is also true. It says life and death is in the power of the tongue. There are situations where you can really crush somebody who is alive, um, somebody who has dreams, somebody who believes, somebody who has hope and encouragement thinking, I can do this. And then you speak unbelief, you, you speak down to them, you, you make them doubt themselves, you, you say all the negative things about them and you crush their dreams to the point that when somebody's dream is so attached to themselves, you literally don't just crush the dream, you crush them. And they eventually become almost a shadow of what they had dreamed to be because of what we have said to them. Now, obviously, I, um, there is a whole psychology on this in terms of how you raise your children, in terms of how you manage your teams, in terms of how you do your marriage and communication. It's always communication. It's what you're saying, what is coming out of your mouth can kill it or build it. And that's the natural, both um, in the natural realm, but also scripture is affirming that truth, that it is the way it is because God has set it to be so. So it's not just for the people in the church, but generally speaking, what you say can cause life or death. 
again, many statistics. I did psychology um, at university and there, the whole research method and the psychology of um, how people are raised and what you speak to them is real, is, is, is amazing. But let's not spend so much time there because the, the natural world agrees with it and the Bible is affirming what is true. I don't think there is much um, difficulty there understanding those two principles. It is the second point that I find we must bring it to the spiritual because that's the only place where it finds its true meaning. And it is, okay, so if I want life to proceed from my mouth or death to proceed from my mouth, the way you design it or where it all begins from is actually is in the heart and not just out here. And so that's why I said Jesus then goes on to say that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And he's bringing a spiritual revelation here. He's basically saying we are not just mechanics. We're not just going through motions. We're not just doing things out here. But actually there is a there is a being in our core that gets fed and that that source in us then speaks out what is in it. Um, and so if we're wanting to obey the scriptures or even try to change our lives, he's saying that the only way you're going to do it is not going through some program of, I, I won't swear again, or some willpower. It's actually going to the depths or the source of your core being, which the, spirit, which the scriptures teaches us is the spirit, is the heart. It is the, um, he says, watch your heart carefully is the spring of life. This is where your issues of life springs from. So the whole thing is about changing a person's heart to be able to become a person who is able to be a fountain of life. And let's not overlook the fact that it says it is the mouth of the righteous that is a fountain of life. Again, in, in the New Testament, it says, come and drink from me and out of your bellies will flow rivers of living waters. It is having drunk from a source of life that life therefore flows from you, okay? So Jesus is basically saying, if we're wanting to be a people who are life-giving source and encouragement and building, let us draw near to him. Let us walk closely with him. Let us have intimate relationship with him. And I could just say those surface things that everybody understands, but the way this works it's not just through study of scripture. It is not just through going to church every week. It's not even doing a good devotional life, which surprised me because I have seen people who have prayed for hours who are still really negative. I've seen people who've got devotional lives par excellence, far better than mine, who who for some reason are still resentful and angry and in their presence, rather than finding life, you find disappointment and hurt and death. So it's not as simple as this, this exhortation here is not to just try and get you to be better at your devotions. Actually, it is to get you into a place or to help us into a place where we walk closely with God because how the things affect our lives is not just through study, although God shows us stuff when we're studying, but actually it is through the experience of life. When, John, when um, Brian Mosley was talking about the distinction between knowledge and wisdom, and he says wisdom of life, 
He very much talked about how it needs to be applied. So in other words, the way your, our heart gets good, obviously, it begins with that coming to God and realizing, God, my heart is not good. My heart is desperately wicked. It is intent on being selfish. It wants to please itself to the extent that even when I want to do good, I want to do good that makes me feel good. And when I do good and I don't get good feelings back, it makes me want to quit because it needs to be feeding me. And so Jesus then comes and he wants to change this whole thing around. And that's the answer he gave to Nicodemus. He says, actually, you know, the kingdom of, the kingdom of God is very different from the one that you live in now. It's, and the only way you get into it is you need to be born again. In, in a sense, you need to come to a place where you are dead in their original state, where you accept that you're a sinner. You accept that actually you are so broken that, you, that out of you will not come life because your, your heart is, con, is intent on feeding itself and it being happy. So the way that happens is you need to die. You need to accept that you are a sinner. And then hear the gospel that the God who made you did not intend for you to be in this dead situation of pleasing yourself until you die. Actually, he wants to bring new life out of you. He loves you. And he not only has he sent Jesus Christ on the cross to pay for every single thing that you've done wrong so that that distance you from him. But actually, he wants to bring you to himself. So Jesus came and he died on the cross to pay for your sins so God can forgive you, but not just forgive you, but to bring you out of that darkness into a place where you know him as your father. And it is called regeneration. It's called being born again. And instantly something happens on the inside of you. This inner man that we're talking about comes alive. You awake. And suddenly you have got a reservoir, a resource on the inside of you that makes it very possible for life to flow out of you. So every Christian, therefore, has a resource, has a reservoir on the inside of them, a well springing forth that can speak life. That's the first thing. And secondly, because that is, is, is in place, you then walk with God where he molds your heart, where he deals with situations where there is hurt and pain and unforgiveness. And, and he walks with you on those things and, and, and the things that would normally make you bitter and angry and therefore speak death as opposed to life get sorted because he's saying, no, no, I forgive you. I help you with this. I've got you. You don't need to be afraid anymore. I am with you. You can trust me. You can lean on me. And you learn to trust again. You learn to love again because of this close relationship that you have with God. And as he does that to you and therefore to your heart, you come into a place where you're a person who give what you have received from God. That's where good speech comes from. That's where a fountain of life comes from. It comes from that close walking with God, knowing him and finding yourself in him. That it changes the inner man. It changes your, your, your source from which life comes from, from which your words come from. Thirdly, I said that this whole thing about the gentle tongue being stronger and able to break a bone. 
one of my favorite worship songs has become um, So Will I. And he talks about how God spoke things into being at the beginning, the first verse. And he says, you spoke and creation evolved in pursuit of what you said. You know, you said, let there be fish. And I don't know, out of the water comes fish and, and all of its varieties and stuff. And it's amazing. And it talks about how um, the rocks will cry out and all of creation, all your handiworks is amazing because you spoke, because you spoke. Um, and as with all great worship songs, um, it comes down to the cross. And then it says, and on the cross, you spoke and the billion failures disappeared. And what I see God doing there, really, um, as the Puritans will say, it is the, it is the grace of God, the irresistible grace of God that is displayed that makes a hardened sinner say, oh man, God, you are so good. You are so kind. I want, I want you to forgive me. If, you, if there is a place um, for me at your table, I want to be there. I, I want to come close. And, and there, I've already preached the gospel in terms of this is how you get in. But I want to show you that actually what Christ has done for us is exactly how he's asking us to be for other people when we become his ambassadors. He's saying that we need to come to a place where out of our mouth, even when people are doing bad things to us, even when it is entirely their fault that we're in this painful place, somehow the Christian who's got Christ on the inside of them, who's got this reservoir, who is a fountain of life, that when you crush them, they speak and a billion failures disappear. They don't speak judgment. They don't speak blame. They speak forgiveness. They speak mercy. They speak restoration. They speak life. Because that fountain exists. And that's that new breed of people that God is desiring. That is the citizens of heaven who speak a language that is foreign to the world around them. And I heard Bola speak um, last week and she finished by saying, you know, in these dark times that it's time for us to let our light shine and people will see the goodness of God and the grace of God. I have found no better time, Christians, for us to be letting our language be so different from the language of the world when people are speaking death and fear and hopelessness and complaints because there's much to complain about. That actually we, when we're in the classrooms, in the staff room, in our offices, in our homes, with our neighbours, when we get crushed, we speak, ah, oh, God reigns. God has got this in hand. God is saving life right now. God wants you right now. God is in the business of bringing hope and restoration. When we get crushed, we speak hope because hope resides on this side of us. That fountain flows from us. And if we've ever, or in this time, actually, we've lost sight of that and we've allowed ourselves to go into a place of, you know, everybody is throwing out their pan, everybody's worried and everybody's concerned and we've gone into the language of complain and all of those things. Um, God is not this morning reminding you of who you are to get at you. He's almost wanting to say, but you know better. <laughs> they, everybody can complain, everybody can act like this, but... Surely not you. 
You know me, there is life on the inside of you. You know how your world is going to end. You know that there is coming a time for you. There is no more pain, no more suffering, no more tears. This old order of things will pass away. There is a certainty for you that your world and your future is secure. You have that anchor. Now, therefore, speak that to those who don't, that they too may have hope. Let your light shine. Let that fountain of life come from you in this season because the world is thirsty for this sort of stuff. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord shine his face on you and be gracious to you. May you find peace and go give it out. In Jesus' name. Amen.